0: Plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: at Molyneux. Catches taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a
0: magical crowd at the MCG.
1: Welcome back to the Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. My name is Emily Collin. My name is Laura Jolly. And on this week's show, to wrap up the pink ball test match, we've got Sophie Molyneux joining us after a pretty hectic four days on the Gold Coast. And another very special guest, we've got 11-year-old Sydney school student, Abby, who some of our listeners might have come across on social media. There was a, a bit of talk after she set up her women's sporting magazine and a few athletes jumped on the bandwagon. So if anyone hasn't purchased uh, Abby's magazine, you can look it up on Twitter. It's called Her Way Magazine and she's done an amazing job of putting together a really comprehensive guide of what's happening in the in the women's sporting world. But LJ, let's get on to that pink ball test. Bit unfortunate to see a draw. So after four days, a bit of wild weather and some very interesting tactics from both sides. The pink ball test—it it ended up in a draw.
0: Yeah, once again another draw, drawn match, and again due to a, a bit of weather around, which we've seen over the past few years. I don't think we've had a result since that 2015 test in Canterbury. Of course, that brought up a lot of debate. There were some intriguing tactics. There's a lot to cover off. Um, plenty of talking points, which we'll have a look into here and yeah, chat about the
1: future of Test Cricket in the women's game. Definitely. There was a, there was a lot of um, chatter across social media and I'm not sure if that was sort of brought to the fore because it had never been on TV before and maybe people weren't so aware of the way that Test Cricket for Women works.
0: Yeah, I think that might be part of it. The last few tests in England have been on telly, but this is the first one this century, I think, that has been broadcast on free-to-wear TV in Australia that's been played in Australia. It's been a long time, certainly the first time this Australian team has featured on home soil. A lot of people look at the highlights of Elise Perry's double century back in 2017 and think that was on telly, but it wasn't. It was actually just a very good live stream. So it was exciting to see the amount of buzz that this match created
1: staggering that that wasn't on TV, but we'll get to the toss. Meg Lanning won the toss and she elected to have a bowl. Do you reckon this is something Meg might be regretting looking back at that day one?
0: Yeah, she and Monty both insist they wouldn't change things if they could, but I think in hindsight it probably would have been a smart thing to have batted first, particularly the way the weather panned out. They never even got to have a look at India under lights for those first two days. So yeah, yeah, I think in future, well, when the ashes test rolls around, if Meg is fortunate enough to win another toss, she may well go the
1: other way. So Smriti Mandana, who of course joined us on the scoop a couple of episodes ago, she was she was probably she was a real standout for India with the bat. She just looked she looked so comfortable at the crease, like she never really looked like going out, particularly in that first innings. So she hit her maiden test century, and she just she just looked so comfortable, didn't she?
0: Yeah, she did. Um, really took on the Australians early, batted across a few days and was instrumental in them putting together such a, a large total that really had India in a position where they couldn't lose the test. Yeah.
1: yeah. And Australia's bowling attack. I know we came in with Darcy Brown, Stella Campbell with pretty high hopes and high expectations of, of what they might be able to do in a, in a pink ball test match. And Maybe it's a lack of experience, but it's probably fair to say that that plan didn't didn't quite come off.
0: Yeah, I think it's easy to forget the fact that none of those girls had ever played a, a multi day game before, let alone with the pink ball. And it's there's a lot that comes into test match bowling: different yeah. lengths, different tactics. Um, different approach so perhaps that inexperience really played on on that a bit but uh, Australia also missed chances in the field and and there were some experienced performers Mm. not not doing uh, the job there either so a few things for Australia to look at going into the T20 leg.
1: Yeah 100% and Elise Perry I think it's safe to say that she just she just absolutely loves playing test cricket she was outstanding again with the bat what does she average now? Something like eighty-six point six with about in test matches, which is which is just outrageous. And it was it was really nice to see Pez get back to her best. Probably not didn't take as many wickets as she would have liked, but it was great to see her reach that three hundred mar- three hundred wicket mark after what had been a bit of a while after not seeing Pez get an international wicket.
0: Yeah, it was really exciting and she became the first Australian man or male or female to take three hundred international wickets and score more than five thousand international runs. So that's quite the achievement for Pez. And I think it's been over a thousand
1: balls of Test cricket now and she's been dismissed just once. And so from an Aussie's perspective, I guess aside from Elise Perry, um, Annabelle Sutherland, Matthew Mott was singing Annabelle Sutherland's praises and she was, she was another one who looked really good with the ball. She was probably... Probably the most consistent, I think, with the ball.
0: Yeah, she definitely um, troubled the, the Indian bats a bit. I also think the spinners were very good. Georgia Wareham obviously didn't get too much of a go, but Sophie Molyneux was mm-hmm. outstanding.
1: And Ash Gardner, how about that catch? Yeah, and then
0: follows up with a, a boulder the over later, right. and scored her first Test 50 too. So all round, a, a really good match for Ash.
1: And I'll tell you who I had—I'd never really watched before in my life, which is I'm sad about <laughs> it because I feel like I've missed out. But Jalan Goswami, how good is she? What an absolute queen! I loved watching her. She was so consistent and was just particularly under lights. She put on, on an absolute show, and I—I I think I would love to see her in the WBBL. I'm, I think I heard on the broadcast that she's got, she's got some commitments back in India, but I think it's. It's a real shame if we don't see her in the WBBL.
0: Yeah, I wanted her to stay on for the T20 game, and it really is a shame that she hasn't been able to play more tests throughout her career.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And so LJ, one of the talking points that was um, that came up, particularly across social media and the Twitter Twitter sphere, was blowing up, was around five day tests for women. So I think has it always been that women's tests are four days? Is that I think is that it's just that's just what it's been for as long as women have been playing test match cricket?
0: Yeah, so they started out as three days and then have gone up to four. I think there's been one five-day women's test ever at North Sydney Oval back in 1992. It just seems to have always been a a money thing Mm. um, from what I can gather. So it's tough. Some of the debate, there are people on social media who have said the women bowl more overs every day. Over the course of five days, they would bowl 400 overs compared to a men's around 450. So it's not actually... That many fewer overs, but the difference is the time you lose when it rains. You still lose an entire day to rain. You've lost a day to rain. It's no different to the men. So I think there should be something in place, whether it's an actual fifth day or just a reserve day, to try and overcome that yeah. issue. Because the same thing happened in uh, in 22 two years
1: ago, and it's mm. you want to see results. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think yeah, particularly a reserve day. That certainly would have come in very handy this time around. And another another one of the talking points was around some of the style of cricket played and whether it was whether it was enterprising enough whether the whether both teams were showing enough intent from from my perspective I feel like it's hard to criticize these teams and these players when there aren't really any domestic structures in place like these players they hardly get an opportunity to practice this format like they don't grow up playing test cricket and it's not sort of built into their training plans it sort of just comes along once or twice a year if they're lucky. So I think it's hard to criticise the players from my perspective. Thoughts, LJ?
0: Yeah, I feel like this comes up every two years and it's just the same thing over and over. Mm. And yeah, the players have said they want to be criticised and if they're fielding poorly and they should be criticised and they should be looked at. But People, I think people look at them playing tests and expect them to play like men, but they haven't grown up on a diet of shield cricket or multi-day cricket. Yeah. There's so many nuances to multi-day cricket that they're just not used to. Meg Lanning said yesterday she learnt so much across the last mm. five days, and that's Meg Lanning, who's played international cricket for 10 years but has barely played a test match. So that's one thing that's really important to consider. And also it's just unfair to have these girls go out there and feel like they have to play to earn further mm. test matches. At the end of the day... This whole concept that they have to go out and provide entertainment so that they can get more test matches completely overlooks the fact that it's actually the structures and the national boards that decide if they get more test cricket, that decide if they get domestic multi-day cricket and that's the thing that's been holding them back all all these years. So to just focus on the on-field action actually overlooks the whole structural issues behind it that's actually going to decide if they get more test cricket or not.
1: LJ, you've absolutely nailed that. Well said. 100% 100% agree with you. And then there was another talking point, the DRS. So for women's international cricket in Australia, there's no DRS aside from World Cups, which is which is unfortunate. And there are a few dubious decisions in this test match, which I think it's fair to say probably really affected Australia's chances. But the good thing we've heard, it is coming for the ashes and it was meant to be there, but, you know, everything's a logistical nightmare at the moment. So there were a few late schedule changes, which admittedly would have made things very difficult, but it's something that I think should have been put in place quite a long time ago, to be frank.
0: Yeah, and England have led the way. They've had it for their cricket for the last two years. Australia hadn't followed suit yet, and by all accounts, yep, had intended to have it here. Totally understand that um, that wasn't possible. Both teams were impacted by the lack of DRS in this test,
1: so there is that, but yeah. But we've got another Test match coming on the way in January, of course, with the women's Ashes being played and England coming over. So we'll have... DRS for that one, which is really good news. But the future of Test Match Cricket after that for Australia, who knows what it's going to look like? Don't
0: really have any information on that. Yeah, there's been lots of people speculating that Australia will get to go back to India and play a return series at some point, but the whole future tours program for women's international cricket is up in the air at the moment while we wait for the um, the next edition of the Women's Championship to be decided. We won't even know what teams are in it until after the World Cup qualifies in December, so... Fingers crossed that once they do get that Future Tours program, uh, the powers that be can look at it and pencil in some more multi-format series.
1: Mm, I think everyone would like to see that. Speaking of the multi-format series, Australia will go into the T20s, which start on Thursday with a 6-4 lead. LJ? We know that Taylor volemic has been looking good at the Nets. What changes do you reckon will will happen to that Australian 11? Do you reckon Taylor, if Taylor's fit, she'll definitely play?
0: Yep. It seems like Taylor is fit and raring to go for the T20s, which is awesome. I think Nicola Kerry will obviously come back into that side and hopefully
1: we see Hannah Darlington make a T20 debut. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I really hope, hope to see Hannah in that side. I feel like that's what she's been picked for, so I think they'd be mad not to give her a go. And one more thing that we've failed to mention that we probably should have mentioned earlier in the show, we want to extend a big congratulations to Rachel Haynes and Leopold Poulton. So Rachel, she as we know she had to um, duck, out, duck out of the Gold Coast early after she uh, did a hamstring injury, but it proved to be a big stroke of luck as she got to be there as Leah gave birth to their little baby Hugo.
0: Yeah, that's super exciting. I don't think Hugo was due for another couple of weeks, so very good timing for Rach in the end. That while disappointing to miss a test match, she got a once in a lifetime experience instead.
1: Yeah, I think she definitely won't be regretting that at all. And onto the WBBL, LJ. We are nine days away today, which is. <laughs> A bit stressful, but very exciting. We've got more Indians. It just seems like it's been an influx. They've all just decided to stay on, which is which is the best news. So we've got Risha Ghosh, who um, she is locked in for the Hurricanes. So she was really exciting to watch, particularly in those ODIs. And then Harmanpreet Kaur and Jamima Rodrigues. They're going to be they're going to be in red, so they'll be playing with the Renegades this year. And Not on the Indian front, but a bit of a shock and some very exciting news. Darnay Van Niekerk, she's going to be a striker. Can you imagine her in blue?
0: Yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see. It's going to be her third Big Bash club, I think, but very weird to not see her in magenta. Mm. Uh, But very good pickup for the strikers who have lost Susie Bate. Mm. Due to the quarantine issues with trying to get back into New Zealand right now, she decided it was safest just to go straight back there from England. So if you were looking for an ideal recruit, Darnay was... um,
1: Yeah, she's right up there. Absolutely. (laughs) And the the other one that's come through this morning is Izzy Wong. So she's an English woman and she's headed to the Sydney Thunder. So... I don't know much about Izzy Wong, LJ. I've just seen a little bit of uh, her on social media with, over at the 100 and she looks like she's a bit of fun. So looking forward to seeing her over with the Thunder. Yeah, she's been talked
0: about as one of those up-and-coming fast bowlers who could join the the likes of Taylor Volemich and Leah Tahuhu and Chapnam Ismail as amongst those fastest in the world, hitting above 125. So that's going to be really exciting to see how she can come out here and, and share the new ball with Sammy Joe Johnson.
1: Awesome. That makes me excited. Now, just before we head into the season, we know that contracting has finished up, so that closed on Friday. So expect the final few announcements to be made this week and we'll have all the squads locked and loaded, ready to go for the for the season start on October 14. And as for the rest of that schedule, we know that the first 20 games are going to be in Tasmania. We might get some news through about what the rest of the season is going to look like this week. So, I mean, it's got to come soon, right? So <laughs> make sure you stay tuned to cricket.com.au for all the updates on that front. Today on this week's episode of The Scoop, we're very excited to have Sophie Molyneux joining us for the first time. So thanks for coming on the show. We're pumped to have you. Firstly, how are you and the team coping? It's been pretty non-stop since you got out of quarantine. So how's everyone feeling?
3: Yeah, everyone's, um, yeah, everyone's feeling really good. We've had, um, yeah, I just said, a pretty busy um, few weeks. I think the girls in quarantine were, were keen to get out of quarantine. Then we had that that week built in um, in Brisbane for um, there's a lot of media, a lot of practice matches. So we're just ready to to get going. And um now we've had a couple of days off post test and um yeah, we're we're sort of re- relaxing for the first time in in what feels like it's been a, a long sort of four weeks. Um and we're yeah, very, very keen to to get going again, I think, for the T twenties. And we've got to ask, how's the lip feeling? <laughs> the lip's feeling really good, thank you. Um <laughs> probably feels better than what it looks to be fair, but no, it um looks good. Yeah, it's, it's healed very well. Yeah, um, it was pretty impressive to see you come back on the field after that. Was
0: we always intending to once you came off and got bandaged up by the dock?
3: Uh, yeah, yep. Yeah, it sort of happened very quick, and I think, like, I've never really been hit in the gob like that before, so... Um Yeah, I think my main concern uh, straight away was um, I was sort of yelling at Meg to count my teeth and make sure they were all there. And (laughs) uh, Yeah, luckily enough, they were were all there. And then um, Pip and Kate, our our doc and physio, um, I sort of put them under the pump a little bit to to quickly patch it up and um, we sort of weren't having much luck. To, to stop the bleeding and then um pip suggested to, to do the old afl um wrap around the, the face and um i was more than happy to to do that so um it was a very quick quick sort of thinking um <laughs> yeah it, it sort of felt like a boy to be fair that that two overs but um they did a great job
1: i don't know if you saw but it got a bit of a reaction online and on social media what did your teammates say when you when you walked back on on the field with the yeah as you say the Chris Judd sort of wraparound?
3: Um, yeah, I think the first person I saw coming out of we had a little like uh, um, like a pod for for all the medical stuff that all the the tables and that were in there. So I was in this pod and then I walked out the door and I made sure I didn't like I didn't want to look up to see the coaches because I knew they'd probably like give me the look of. Should you really go on? So I didn't yeah. want to go through that conversation with them. So sort of looked down and looked up, and the first person I saw was Georgia, um, Wolfie, Remember my mate Wolfie. So um, I sort of like looked at her and just did, nah, don't even, don't even think about it, don't laugh, don't talk to me. Just we'll crack on with this after the game, but not now. And so she was there sitting there with Tay. Um, and they were just trying to hold their laughter in, I think. So, um, once they knew everything was okay and I was bandaged up, they were trying to, um, hold all that. And then when I got out in the ground, I think I saw Midge first and Midge like sort of double took and, um, put her hands up like this, like what's going on here. And, um, it was pretty funny cause I couldn't talk. So I was sort of mumbling through everything. And, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was very comical. <laughs>
1: Oh no, it was pretty heroic. And so, have the team? Have the team? Has it been nice to get you all back together? I know it was pretty long time without seeing each other. Have you had much time to sort of spend time together in the in the Sunshine State? And I know it's Molly's birthday today. Any plans for that?
3: Yeah, Molly's um, birthday today. I think I took her out for breakfast this morning, nice and nice. early, um, which was good. Sort of just sat there in the sun, a um, bit different to yeah, a Melbourne brekkie this time of the year. So we were very thankful for that. But, um, yeah, it's been nice to get together. Um, it's As you said, it's been a long time um, since we were in New Zealand. Yeah, it feels like um, years ago, to be fair. So once we got out of quarantine and, um, you know, all the nerves of, of meeting up with everyone again, a few new squad members and that, um, I think that, helped, that test match in the experience of... Um, you know spending an extended period of time together um rain delays and everything like that um the games come out the the stories the we learn a lot about each other and all those delays so um <laughs> yeah i think it's been really a great feel around the group um yeah
0: yeah, on the, that test, it's such a sense of occasion when you guys get to play a test. What's the buzz like in the group in the lead-up to the game when you're unpacking the whites and getting everything ready?
3: Yeah, it's special. Um, yeah, I get really like I think some a bit of a traditionalist and grew up watching tests and, um, yeah, like I sort of feel really, um, yeah, it's, it's quite special and um, I think the girls were very similar and you know we're all trying to scurry around for our um for our white pads and a few of the girls um couldn't get them in, in time so we're like sharing white pads and and stuff like that which was um pretty funny and then um yeah I think the build-up to it we knew there was going to be a lot of um debutantes potentially and um you know the, the two or three training sessions before the test were, were pretty fiery and um yeah I think like it was just this great sense of occasion and um get there on the day and um it's a bit of a blur day one I think especially the lead into it when you've got debutants and um you know Meg's got her blazer on for the first time in two years and yeah there's just so many little moments there that um yeah you sort of pinch yourself and um yeah so you realize that yeah you're playing a test match for your country
1: yeah awesome and we know Wolfie as you've mentioned is someone you're particularly close with how was it standing next to her when she was handing over that baggy green
3: yeah i um, get a little bit emotional with Wolfie <laughs> she's um, yeah I think like she's a very good mate of mine and yeah to have seen her get that baggy green she was so close um, a couple of years ago and we were sort of there when um, yeah she she didn't get that call up and to see her um, yeah to see her miss out then and, and then two years time and you know the the impact she's, she's made over those two years and the growth she has um, on and off the field I think We're all really proud of her. And um, yeah, along with the other three debutantes, it was a really special sort of normally the cat presentations are now taking a long time now because like they're quite <laughs> messages from home and that and yeah. um yeah everyone's making sure they get it right so um it was a really special 20 minutes or so
0: nice and did you play red ball cricket growing up in Bensdale? and does the test like this take you a bit back to those days
3: yeah I think so um like most of my cricket was probably um over two days so we Play on a Saturday and then you'd have all week to, to think about <laughs> the next half of the game. So, um, yeah, there's always red cherries on the bat, not necessarily the middle of the bat, but um, we played most of the time with with a red ball. And, um, yeah, I think like little little stuff like that was um, a little bit, I felt a little bit nostalgic at different times, getting the whites out the night before and and stuff like that so um yeah it was it was nice to sort of bring back those memories.
1: And we heard Beg say after the test that she felt like she'd learned so much over that those four days was that sort of the feeling of the whole team and is there anything in particular you took from the experience?
3: Yeah I think this one like in particular the, just the different like declarations and um like it really shocked me that last four that that day four that last day sort of um in my head was prepared to, to bat all day. And um, <laughs> and then, yeah, next minute we're, we're back out for our, what felt like our, our 17th warm-up of the match and um, <laughs> we're ready to go and bowl again. And then um, I think that was the big thing for, for all of us and stood out so for me. I think just the way the game can change so quickly, even though things are going quite slow, um, it just can flick a switch, and there's a thousand different results that could happen. Um, so yeah, that was probably the thing that we also sort of took away, and um, we all had different questions and stuff throughout the match. That, um, and I think, you know, reflecting over the last couple of days, I, I wish I probably asked more questions because there's just so much there that um, just the little the little parts of Test cricket that you probably only you can't really read about it and learn from um, from books. It's more experiencing it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one thing a lot of people have talked about the last week is playing more test cricket. Is that something you want to see happen and, and maybe even at domestic level with four-day games?
3: Yeah, it would be pretty cool. Um, I'm a massive fan of that and, and the thought of that. I think especially, you know, if there's more pressure um, on, on playing more test cricket at international level, I think it would be really cool to, to put into a domestic cricket as well. Um, I think, mean, yeah, you drag a game out over four days and you the skill of um the real like true skill of a team, I believe, um comes out and um, India were were incredible. They um we always knew they were a skillful team. And I think the, the test matches really suited them because they were able to to do it over a long period of time and um batted beautifully on that on that wicket and then um had really clear plans bowling and, and were able to execute. So um yeah I I definitely think that um yeah more test matches would be really cool to be a part of.
1: 100%. We agree with you there, Soph. And we're going to chump, jump in quickly with our Who's Cooking segment, which is presented by Weber Barbecues, which, as we know, is the new naming rights sponsor of the WBBL. So we're going to ask you, Soph, to narrow down your three dream barbecue guests that you'd have over to your place for a, a big cooker.
3: Okay. <laughs> Love a Weber. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's a tough one. I think um, on the tools, maybe to cook it, maybe. Um, Jamie Oliver, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. It'd be a very good learning experience. Yeah. And he's got a lot of, um, yeah, you would have a few good tools and tricks on the Webber. Um, Just for a good time, I think Dane Swan, I think he's a Chapel Street local, so he wouldn't have to travel oh, yeah. too far if I'm at home. Um, Is he going to live tweet the experience? Yeah, he can, he can take over web for the night. Um, I don't know, Third Wood or. Um maybe some live entertainment music. Um actually no, I'll just probably so uh, Molly. Molly. Molly would be fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say Molly, I think that'd be a great night. Oh,
1: <laughs> uh, and so if you're a keen chef, aren't you? Have you got any specialty dishes and anything you like to cook? And you've been cooking recently in the Gold Coast at all or not so much time.
3: Um, we've struggled cooking, we're in apartments without anything. We've got a kettle. Um oh, okay. So actually, reported back to um, the old cup of soup oh. in the plastic things, and that's um, been a nice <laughs> change. Um, but yeah, like I suppose at home, I think of summer um, weather. Um, yeah, people around and and hopefully, yeah, this summer we'll we'll look a little bit like that towards the back end and we can sort of get back to normal and and fire up the Weber again. Yes, I hope so. And we've got the uh,
0: change of format this week. Are you looking forward to getting stuck back into some T20 cricket?
3: Yeah, yeah, it would be really good. I feel like, um, yeah, there's there's a bit on this. Um, The the series is in a really interesting position and um, it's – like I think we're all really excited that we're in this position now, and um, yeah, like there's there's pressure on both teams, and um, we're yeah we're really keen to get out there and um, get back to to a format that we've played a lot over of over the last few years. And, um, yeah, I think it would be nice to, to get out there and start training tomorrow and, and the day later where um shows on. So um, I think, you know, India have got a bit of momentum at the moment. They played really well on the test. And um, that last – the last couple of one days, things are just slowly coming together for them. So we're um, – we're definitely, you know, taking this, and um, we're just going to try and embrace the the, the challenge and the, the bit of pressure that's coming with these next three matches. And it sounds
1: like Taylor's ready and wearing to go. How's she been looking in the nets?
3: Oh, she's quick. Um, <laughs> she's ready to go. She's, um, I think she's pacing up and down the hallway at the moment, just practicing her run up. <laughs> oh my but she's, that, she's That keen, Tay, um, and we're yeah, we're pumped to um, to see her play some cricket again. Because whenever she does, um, she she goes 120%, and you know what Yeah, what she's going to give. So, um, yeah, just seeing her over the last six months in, in Victoria and um, ride the, the wave of pre season with a couple of needles and the injuries um, to see her as fit as she is now. And um, yeah, we're all just pumped for her. That's awesome. And speaking about the T20s, you're
0: going to be playing against Harmon Precourt and Shamima Rodriguez, soon to be your teammates. Have you
3: had a chat to them all yet? <laughs> Um, we've had a couple of little messages over WhatsApp um, pre-series. And then, yeah, I think <laughs> during the series we're, we're staying in the same hotel at the moment, so we'll cross paths and um, get a few smiles and waves, which is cool. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to be great. Um, I'm just so excited to, to be able to um, play in the same team as them and, and get to know them and how they go about things because, yeah, they're both um, – seem like really good people and um very knowledgeable and i think yeah our renegades group are gonna learn a lot from them
1: we know um a lot of the groups down in tassie at the moment they've done their quarantine how have they been going how have they settled in down in hobart
3: yeah they're they're still in quarantine they've got three days left i think three or four days left so they're, they're counting down um More reports are going really well. They've done a bit of training um, and stuff like that to keep ticking over. But I think they're just very keen to play some cricket. So they were happy to do anything over that two-week period of time. Um, Yeah, it's been a long pre-season for the girls. So um, I think with the Renegades, we're all coming from different states. And um, that's probably the beauty of it all when we get together um, a week out before game one. we're, We're sort of find out ways to to be able to combine and, and play cricket and and hopefully um yeah gel and and do it well and you've obviously taken over the captaincy of the renegades this year have you had to do any
0: planning or change the model while you've been up in Queensland
3: uh yeah helmet's been good he's um, in quarantine now he's just won a um, CPL flag um over in the West Indies so he's um he's had a good He's had a few good practice matches, I suppose, for our, for our big bash. And, um, yeah, he's, he's firing up and, and ready to go. And, um, it's, yeah, different different coaching, different playing group. Um, yeah, things are, are looking different this year. And I suppose with that, yeah, you sort of have to um, go with the flow of it and see what natural direction that, that group will take. And I think it's really exciting and we're all pretty um, pumped just to, to start us to start it
1: yeah nice and so if we know you did a, a bit of work over the winter with the great Belinda Clark who's a favorite of the scoop podcast did she provide you with a few few nuggets of wisdom
3: plenty of nuggets um <laughs> she yeah she, she's wonderful and um yeah very very lucky to have um yeah been able to pick up the phone and, and BC was on the other end and um yeah she's obviously like everyone sort of Knows the impact she's had on um, on cricket and, yeah, just to be able to to have her and to have um, worked with her through through things already and, um, yeah, she's great.
1: Sophie, thank you so much for joining us on the Scoop podcast today. It was great to chat to you and we wish you and the team all the best for the T20s. We can't wait.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> and we are joined by a very special guest on this week's episode of the Scoop podcast, probably one of our Most exciting guests ever. So we're joined by Abby, who is 11 years old and started her way magazine. So Abby, thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Firstly, how are you going? Is it school holidays at the moment, or any, or when are you heading back to school?
2: Um yeah, I'm good, and I'm in school holidays. Um, but I go back to homeschooling tomorrow.
0: And so we want to hear all about your magazine, Her Way magazine, which you're dedicating to telling the stories and also information about women's sport. Can you tell us how you came up with the idea?
2: Um, I came up with the idea, I think it was, I don't know, I first got the idea about five months ago when I was at a medical appointment and I was looking at the shelves, um, the sport magazines, and I realised that there were only about two pages that had any female athletes on them. And that's when I, like in my head, I was like, why aren't there any, like, why, why are there no female athletes in this magazine? So then a few weeks ago, my dad bought me and my sister a magazine about, um, and it had like singers and actors in it. And that's when I said, why aren't there any magazines about women's sport? And my dad was like, why don't you make one? And that's when I realized I could make one. And now here I am on a podcast.
1: (laughs) Such an awesome story, Abby, and you've done such a good job. So the idea came into your head when you were at the medical appointment, but then tell us how, tell us how you actually got the magazine to exist. Did you have some help along the way? Like what did you, what was the process to make sure that the magazine was up online?
2: Um, Well, I originally wanted to do a hard copy, but we realized um, it might've been better if it was a digital magazine because um, people from all over the world would be able to buy it and get it in just a few minutes or less. Um, my dad and my mum have well, mostly my, um, my mom's helped with, um, like the website where you can buy the magazine and my dad's been, um, helping me a bit with researching and, um, he's also helping manage my social media as well because nice. I'm 11. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: awesome. And of the first edition, which we both loved, what yeah. was your favorite part?
2: Um, I'm not sure. I've only I've actually read it because I hadn't actually read it that much after. Um, <laughs> I don't remember everything that's in it now. Um, probably I I do like this um the WBBL that's a good preview. Um, I did um I also like the page um with the activities on it. Mm. as
1: well so those would probably be my two favorites nice one the word search was good I also like the one um the bit about Betty Cuthbert I thought that was a really yeah. nice little addition um and so Abby I don't know like I'm sure you I'm sure your dad's passed on if he's running the social media but there was so much attention across Twitter people like Elise Valani and Kari Webb getting yeah. behind your magazine was that was that a surprise to you and how did how did it feel when you when you heard about those names getting around your magazine it was definitely a surprise I expected <laughs> like I don't know, I was hoping 10
2: people would buy the magazine and then all of a sudden it was, like, getting really big on social media and when, like, Carrie Webb and when Elise Villani, Villani bought it, I was like, wow, I just, I couldn't believe that. I can't uh-huh. believe it's getting this much attention. And
0: as you mentioned, there's a great WBBL preview in there. Do you have a team that you barrack
2: for? Um, I go for the Sixes, but I like a few players from each of the teams. I also, um, like... Beth Mooney and Hannah Darlington and so I like, and Elise Felani. I like all those guys as well. I don't really have a team that I don't like, but yeah, I go for the Sixers. Sounds like us. Okay.
1: <laughs> have you been to a match before, Abby? Have you been
2: to a WBBL match? Um, yeah, I've been to quite a few. I, go, I haven't been to one in a while though, but I was hoping I could go to one this year.
1: But I, yeah. I will be watching them though. Oh, we hope so too. And looks like you've met heaps of really cool athletes. Do you ever get starstruck when you meet people like, you know, Sam Kerr and Elise Ferry and all those sort of big names? Yeah, so some
2: um about half the people I've met, I already knew who they are. So it's really cool to be able to meet them. But most of uh, half of the people I meet as well, I don't actually really know who they are before, but that's when I really start to get into the sport because I've met them. And I'm like, oh, they're really nice. So yeah.
0: And who's the the most famous athlete you've ever met?
2: Probably Sam Kerr or Ash Barty, but oh, wow.
1: I don't know. That's pretty cool. Were they both really nice?
2: Yeah, it was a few years ago now, so I don't remember it that well. But yeah, it was cool to meet them.
1: And do you have anyone on your list? Do you have any of your favourite athletes that you haven't met yet, but you really want to meet? I've got
2: a big list of people I'd like to meet. Like, <laughs> tell i met tell a few of them. Um, so someone like Jess Fox or. Oh yeah like kathy freeman i'd love to meet them but i've got a a very long list of about 20 names that i'd love to meet a big jess fox fan yeah, did you watch the olympics <laughs> yeah i was i wasn't actually watching her because i think i was oh i forgot what i was doing but i came to do what i watched and i was like it was so cool that she won so yeah so cool. And do you play any sports yourself? Um I play AFL. I've played um the last 2 years. Um and I'm going to play again next year. I also um play in the Master Blasters um cricket. Uh yeah, and I play, I played with my sister um last year and I hope to um, play one more year and get a bit better than play in actual team.
1: Oh, awesome. What's your favourite part about playing cricket? Do you like batting or bowling or fielding? I like
2: bowling. I think I'm also the best at bowling. Nice. Uh, yeah, I I'd probably prefer bowling.
1: And Abby, so we want to learn a bit more about you. What's what's your favourite part of school? Do you like school? Do you like learning or do you like playing in the in the playground? What do you like about going to school? Um, I like writing, so that's why yeah Um, that
2: makes sense (laughs) I also like sport and I like doing art as well so the magazine would have been like um two of my favorite things put together um yeah yeah, I like Fighting would be my favorite subject at school, and I like seeing my friends. But yeah, that's fun.
0: And you mentioned you play a couple of sports. Is that your favorite thing to do on the weekend? Is there anything um, else you like?
2: I, I just like to relax on the weekend sometimes. But I'd probably, I've I'm got into skateboarding the past few weeks. Skateboarding? So I usually wake up very early to go skateboarding. Um, wow. but I like to play sport on the weekend. That's nice one. Yeah, that's of it is.
0: That was one really cool addition to the Olympics this yeah. year. Loved watching skateboarding. <laughs>
2: Can you do tricks on your skateboard yet or are you still learning? Um, I'm not very good yet. I'm learning to drop in from a ramp. Um, well, that sounds pretty impressive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is
2: definitely way harder than it looks because I was like, oh, this can't be that hard, but I can't really do
1: anything yet. I can go on a few ramps, but not much oh that sounds pretty cool and Abby what about your friends do they do they love playing sport as well and have they had a chance to read your magazine yet um one of my best friends bought my magazine and my best friends they're pretty good at
2: sport they're very good swimmers I'm not a very good swimmer but um yeah my, my friends, some of my friends have bought the magazine, which is great. And hopefully my, my school doesn't actually know about it yet. But when I get to tell my
1: teacher,
2: I think he'll yeah, be they'll be very
1: impressed.
0: <laughs> and so when can we expect the next edition of the magazine to come out and any tips about or hints about who might be in it?
2: Um, Well, it's going to come. There's going to be a November issue. It will probably come out a few days before. I'm not exactly sure yet. Um, There's going to be a bit of cricket in it. Nice so, one. so Yeah.
1: Very excited, Abby, and we would absolutely love to see you at a WBBL match, or if you came down and saw the Aussie women's cricket team play. So make sure we stay in touch, and hope to see you at a cricket match in the future. Thanks so much for joining us, and we can't wait to read the next Thanks. edition of Her Way. Thanks.
0: He Sit back and
3: enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning.
1: This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Donison strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The
0: Australian moves women-